0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: The
2: pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, our one podcast. This might be college football, heaven. Yeah.
3: It is Monday and we've made it to uh, almost the end of uh, January. It seems like kind of strange to think that four weeks ago at this moment, we were sitting under the sun of the Rose Bowl, watching uh, Alabama and Michigan, and uh, the world is still with us four weeks later. Let's get to some headlines and talk, speaking of that, Sharon Moore facing some uphill changes to keep Michigan on top. Uh, he's got a lot of... Uh, Usually when you come in, take over a big time program, they expect you to win it all. But I've heard some lower expectations for Sharon as uh, we talk about the new Michigan coach a little bit later on in the show. Jalen Milroe is not going anywhere. Alabama may have lost a couple of players, but not the starting quarterback of last year's semifinal team. Jalen Milrow talking over the weekend.
4: What's for you is for you, and uh, for me is to stay at Alabama. Um, I, have a, I have something that's, um you know, I have a lot of stuff that's still at Alabama that I wanted to achieve, and, you know, I signed my letter and to to come to University of Alabama, so um, it's all about staying here and building, and with the guys that we have in the locker room, we have a really good group, and we're super excited for um, what's ahead of our football team, but um, with anything, you know, we're, we're excited um, to have Coach DeBoer in, Coach and staff that's here.
3: Miller. What about Nick Saban? Remember him? He used to be the coach at Alabama. We're kidding, of course. But not only did Nick Saban win on the field, the impact he had off the field is pretty extraordinary. Ben Portnoy, who covers the college sports business space for Sports Business Journal. We used to talk to Ben all the time when we dropped into Columbia when he covered South Carolina ben good afternoon the headline is nick saban's rising tide you uh, have been working on this for a while a deep dive into not only saban's success which we all know about but, but the impact that he had uh, really on his program and so many others good afternoon and we're all eager to hear about it yeah
5: no thanks for having me paul Always fun it's interesting i think that nick saban's a guy that there's so much been has been written about him over the years right we talk a lot about the winning a lot of the impact he's had on on coaches and their tenures and all of that. But I think that, you know, in this story, especially, I think it was interesting talking to some folks just about, you know, the impact he's had on the industry as a whole. And I think that certainly college football has grown up a lot and become, you know, a multi-billion dollar business over the last, really over Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama, right, over the last 15, 20 years. Uh, and I think a lot of what's coincided with how college football has exploded and become big business is, is frankly in part because of what Nick Saban's done and some of the the mechanisms that he's created with the coaching staffs and facilities and all the things that kind of come with it.
3: I mean, just reading the the, the piece, Ben, and obviously we talk about this every day here, but but 11 number one recruiting classes, 44 first rounders. I mean, and that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? It really
5: is. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I kind of didn't even realize until I started talking to some folks, you know, I was talking to Dan Radakovich, who's now the AD at Miami and he worked on the senior staff at LSU when, when Nick Saban was in Baton Rouge, but you know, all these football operations centers that we see across the country and across the sec, especially, you know, that was something that Saban kind of got built uh, in Baton Rouge toward the tail end of his time there. And, and was something that he felt like, Hey, we need to have everyone under the same roof. And it's things like that, that you look at 15, you know, 20 years later that, Everyone kind of has it, and you don't really realize where it came from uh, and, and it's another one of those things that's sort of one of these impacts that I think goes beyond certainly the box score but also beyond the wins and losses as well
3: and, and I want to talk about that because in, in that analyst room I mean we, we joke about the butch Joneses of the world cycling through there but but a lot of young coaches like Dan Lanning and others uh, started in that room and, and became extremely well known coaches I, I, it, how has that grown just i mean because you got to pay for that uh and and it's not just uh, handing out cheeseburgers is it yeah the analyst room is something that i think was probably the most interesting
5: part of that story honestly you know i called up joe judge the former new york giants head coach and joe was telling the story about how he basically became the first analyst at alabama and really probably the first analyst in college football as far as i could tell uh, because he and his wife were were kind of living off of her paycheck as a teacher uh, While well, Joe was graduate assisting, uh, working as a graduate assistant, I should say, uh, at Alabama, and they needed extra money to, to survive. They had two kids, had a third on the way, and they were like, man, well, I need to either get another job or get a promotion or something. And so Joe went in and talked to Coach Saban, and they kind of said, OK, let's see what we can do and work something out. And, you know, Joe had already finished his graduate work, so there wasn't really a great path forward to be a graduate assistant again and all of the things that kind of came with that. So Nick Saban functionally created this analyst role uh, off the field, uh, sort of a way to keep young coaches on staff. And, uh, you know, Joe was one of those first people, uh, one of the first three or four as part of that. And obviously, it's evolved into something so much bigger. You mentioned Dan Lanning, um, you know, others like Billy Napier have been in that position, Mike Loxley at Maryland, Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, it's become something so much bigger. And as sort of way to add to the brain trust, but it started basically because Nick Saban had some graduate assistants who needed to make a little bit of extra money and uh, he wanted to keep some young, talented, smart minds around in Tuscaloosa and obviously again it's evolved into something totally different that exists on pretty much every staff in America.
3: Ben Portnoy with this Ben I, I thought one of the one of my favorite stories was you were you were interviewing Bill Battle, who who by the way, uh, people don't realize he went back to Alabama because he was asked to, but Bill didn't need the money. I mean, Bill was a zillionaire many, many times over with sports licensing, and he was trying to run the organization uh, like a budget. Uh, He took over from Mal Moore who passed away, and then he suddenly found out that he had a guy that didn't believe in worrying about budgets, did he? Nick Saban. Yeah, it was a great quote
5: from Bill, and I'm I'm paraphrasing a a little bit, but he basically said in so many words, you know i was trying to get the budget under control and trying to you know keep costs down where i could but i wasn't going to tell nick no because i didn't want to irritate nick and you know it's it's a funny uh it's a funny dynamic right it's a guy who obviously is one of the highest levels and has has done all of these things at such a high level that you know if he needs something you want to get it to him and and bill was definitely trying not to uh not to upset the apple cart there
3: so just as we broaden the camera uh, lens a little bit, uh, you you looked at other programs and, and the Saban effect. We we know about it on the field. We know about it in the analyst room. But, but how else did he change college football during his tenure at Alabama?
5: Yeah, I mean, financially, I think there's a huge piece of it that marries with Saban's tenure. I mean, for one, the coaching salaries are part of it, right? I mean, Nick Saban was the highest paid coach in America when he retired. And a lot of those contracts that you've seen over the years have kind of been reset on some level. The coaching market has been reset by Nick Saban over the last 15 years, right? And just what Alabama's paid him over that time and winning those titles and and some things like that. Now certainly there are outliers and others who have gotten big contracts outside of Nick Saban who have kind of helped foster in this crazy coaching market that we're in right now. But you also look at just spending on what people have spent on recruiting and the way that recruiting staffs are set up. You know, Saban took a pretty NFL style approach to scouting things and and the way that they broke down prospects and things like that and the way that those scouting departments were built out uh and that's created heavier costs for athletic departments i mean you know alabama's athletic department i think i mentioned the story is you know started when saban was there in his second year i think they spent about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars on recruiting a year uh and that number was well over two million dollars by the time he left uh, and the same thing goes for support staff. I mean, the number started, you know, in the one millions. Uh, and by the time that Saban was gone, it was over, you know, well over $5 million a year on support staff and off the field folks. So again, it's sort of, we joke about these off the field staff members here and there and the coaching staffs and everyone kind of laughs always about Billy Napier's first staff picture at at uh, at Florida with all the polo shirts outnumbering the the players and stuff. And now some of that look, I think we can agree that some of it's a little superfluous here and there. But I do think that the way that Saban was able to organize sort of a college football program into, frankly, an organization in a way that was very different and a very professional organization in a way that was maybe a little bit different um, than his, than people previously in college football, I think, is, is one of the big things that I took away.
3: Ben, before you go, you you spent the last two months, you've hosted commissioners out in Vegas at, at the SPJ annual meeting, you've, the, the, the CFP and so many other conferences. I realize this is a seminal year in college football, but we hear a lot more about money than maybe ever before as the intersection of, of monster business in, in college football combines and collides. What, what are you sensing as we, we are now turning toward the next season? I mean, where there's no more college games. There's only one more pro game. Uh, what do you pick up from all the, all the muckety mucks that you deal with on a daily basis?
5: Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. I think that both in the business and externally, I think the thing that I've found most, I think that's been really interesting is that I think with fans, there's more of an understanding of how big business college sports are now. And I, I really, I'm talking about college football in particular. I think that there's more of an understanding from the average sort of Joe fan that there's so much money at stake. And these athletic departments are really run more like multi-million dollar corporations than they are, you know, you're sort of, Athletic department of old. And I think that, you know, when you look at sort of the coming year, right, there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think that it's in the courts, it's at the NCAA level, it's in NIL, it's in a whole bunch of different things. And I think that, you know, we talk a lot about the changes that are happening in college football and college sports, especially just overall. But I think that it's easy to forget, right? We look, let's say 40 years ago, right? And Alabama and Georgia weren't on national TV every week or, or whatever it might be. And television deals have changed so much, obviously. But I do think that there's always change in college sports, I think the difference is you have the confluence of these three or four generational shifts happening all at once, and I think that because of that. You see kind of the state of chaos that we exist in right now, and I think that you know certainly there's a lot of nervousness, but I do think that. At at the end of the day, even if things sort of blow up and implode I, I think that something new will come out of it, and I think college sports will still exist it's just a matter of what that actually looks like. And I think there's, you know, certainly a lot of steps to get from point A to point B, but uh, you know, it's going to make for uh, it makes for an interesting year and certainly not a a lack of things to write about. That's for sure.
3: Well, uh, you're at the, at the top of that food chain when it comes to writers covering the story, Ben, thank you very much. Always great to see you Ben Portnoy on Nick Saban and the rising tide from SBJ as we begin a new week, the final week of January. And we'll, hit February along the way. We'll take a short break right after this.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
3: And Sam Webb joins us. He covers Michigan. We talked to him right before the Rose Bowl. He picked Michigan to win. And Kenny Smith, who uh, picked Alabama to win. From The Athletic, we'll talk to him about his recent work. Uh, We will uh, also see if we get a Dwayne sighting today. Uh, Don Staley joined us on on Friday. And some of you, have, uh, if you didn't hear the show or, or watch the show have undoubtedly read about it it uh, dawn's takedown of Dwayne from New Orleans made media everywhere it got picked up by the local uh, sports blogs Saturday down south on three uh, Athlon uh, it got picked up by awful announcing which is uh, which covers the, uh, the the national media scene so uh, we doubt Dwayne will call because like like all bad fans I'm sure he tucked his tail and ran home, but uh, Dawn Staley got a lot of coverage for her absolute beatdown. You might even say evisceration of Dwayne, and it's too bad. I feel for Dwayne. Uh, He has probably not been taken down that badly since uh, he got thrown off the rig, probably in the Gulf of Mexico. Let's get some uh, calls going here, and uh, Bash starts us off from Boulder
6: bash brother paul how was your weekend great thank you it's great to hear um i got two quick questions for you paul first one is did you see the new women's college basketball rankings today
3: no i have not
6: fine my second question is more of a request and with your permission may i send a message about the future of college basketball to your longtime listener and the best college basketball coach today, Don Staley. Permission granted. Thank you. First of all, Coach Staley, congratulations on joining the teams who have already beaten LSU. Second, it's no secret that I believe the Colorado Buffaloes are going to win the national championship this year. And that we're going to beat South Carolina in the national championship game to do it. And third and last, Coach Daly, I just have one request for you. After we bash the Gamecocks on that court, the next day I just want you to come on this show and the same way you did to Dwayne, I just want you to do one request for me, Coach Daly. Just keep that same energy. Just keep that same energy, and when I come on the show, I promise I won't will hide from you. Colorado's I will two, be here about no
3: bash 2-2 two two in its last four games, and, and besides, uh, is there some reason uh, that we have we, we are now getting AI-directed calls? Because, I mean, didn't that sound like it? This guy. I am Bash from Boulder. Bash. I don't want to bash your calls anymore, but I'm going to. Matt is up next and saying. Hey, Antonio. brother. How are you
7: doing? That's some good news I want to tell you. Okay. There's this guy who can help me find a base income affordable apartment okay. in San Antonio. And I'm, if you can find me, so I'm moving back home, man. And also, tomorrow is my birthday, Paul. I'm 37. Okay, years well, old. I think we yeah. ought to
3: declare Matt a national holiday. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You agree? But, um, Everybody agree? Tomorrow is <laughs> officially going that, to man. be our first recognized fine-bomb show holiday. It's Matt from San Antonio's 30.
8: Thank you, brother. I appreciate 30. that. Um,
3: I wanted to talk to you about uh, Mike Elko as well. I've heard
7: some news in recruiting. They started to pick up some big-time players. and I know you don't like talking about recruiting, Paul. I understand that. But what do you think about the work he's done in high-school recruiting so far? and I think he's going to make a and a better team. And I want your thoughts on that, and I still appreciate everything you have, okay, guys, well, Matt,
3: I'll, I'll done for me in my on, life, on, man. i recruiting, but thank goodness. Uh, th- thank, thank goodness you're doing better, and uh, we will cheer for you uh, and hopefully talk to you tomorrow on your birthday. Imagine being 37. Are you 37 yet? Not yet. Not yet? Now you know what you have to look forward to. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. Whenever your birthday is, you let us know. We're doing birthday requests right here. John is up next in Indiana. Hello, John.
1: Hey, Paul, I missed out on your uh, Bear Bryant stories Friday, but I got one, and um, I don't know if it's true, but um, uh, during practice with Paul Bear Bryant and his team, I don't know if it was a drill or a team building, having a little fun after a long practice, but he took his entire team on the goal line, and then he had a manager take 10 footballs about 25 yards away and put them in a pile, and then he'd have 10 players come out, he'd blow the whistle, and one guy did not bring a ball back. Could you imagine the legs flying and the balls flying, and that one guy who got back to the end zone didn't have a ball, and um, if he didn't, the guy that didn't have the ball, he'd have to do it again. I don't know if this was a drill or just having a little fun after practice, but I heard that uh, that happened.
3: Yeah, I don't think Coach Bryan really uh, was interested in, in anybody having fun. So uh, there was probably a method to it. Hey, thank you very much for the call. No, uh, we, uh, I have interviewed uh, quite a few of the players that uh, went to Junction in the 50s. And uh, they were all just happy that not, to, not so much to make the team. Most of them were happy they lived to uh, see the next day. That's how difficult it was. Thank you for the call. And Bubba is up next in North Carolina. Hello, Bubba. Hello, Paul. What's shaking today, brother? We are doing great. Thank you. Hey, Bash is
4: kind of sounding automated. I think he's moved on to edibles. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I don't. I'm, I have tried now for a couple of months to understand what's behind his calls. Does, does Bash think that there is a person outside of Boulder, Colorado, that would be remotely interested in their stupid basketball team out there?
4: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's beyond drinking bong water. If he thinks they're going I mean, bu- hey, to hey Bubba, I
3: understood nonprofit. it when during that three-week period when Dion Sanders was a talker of college football. That's before he completely collapsed, uh, lost uh, what nine, uh, eight of his last nine games, and became a laughingstock. But the yeah, women's absolutely. basketball team of but- Colorado does not impress me. Hey, it didn't take long for the neon to die down around uh, D- Dion, did it? Is uh, is Dion still in Colorado? I'm I'm not sure. I haven't checked.
4: It, it, that's the rumor, and I think his boys are still uh, on Twitter, even as we speak during football practice. But, but yeah, no. Uh, I, I got a question about Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league this year. Okay. I know they're both huge programs, but how much bigger is that going to make the fan base footprint of the SEC? Oh, you have no idea.
3: You have no idea. I mean, it, it, is it probably going to make it at least a third bigger than it already? I mean, remember is? something: the University of Texas was so big fifteen years ago they had to get their own network.
4: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it I mean but, that, yeah, it, it
3: didn't matter that half the half the Big Twelve decided to leave as a result of that, but. They're going to be uh, quite a quite an experiment, and experience for all of us, and I can't wait. Oh, absolutely! I can't wait either. And everything is in hyperdrive right now compared yeah. to what it used to be. Right. There's
4: no slowdown throughout the season. No, I mean, no. we have the uh, national championship. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I realize mean, there are a the, lot of
3: seasons that haven't even begun yet, like baseball. Basketball is in full swing. I know you can feel the excitement. Um, and but there's nothing. Nothing is going to be bigger than Texas coming in here.
4: No, I'm fired up this year. We've got a 12-team 12, uh, 12 playoff. We've got expanded conferences with better teams. I mean, uh, the portal. I mean, we basically have unlimited free agency. Uh, NIL, I mean, everything's just, you know, just running at hyper speed. But I think it's going to make for one of the best football seasons we've ever seen in college football.
3: Well, and, and don't think that the season begins in – September. It begins today, right no, here no, no, on no. The show. Yeah, it's
4: it's 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 wide open right now, and I want to give a shout out to the the uh, Tennessee men's basketball team. Oh man, they're they're tough. I mean, hey, I know I know these guys have done really well during the regular season, past couple seasons. and kind of faded early in the tournament. Well, this yeah. this just feels like a different team. With feels like a Final Four team. And
3: by the way, uh, hey, thanks for the call. I watched uh, Kentucky uh, go into. Uh, Fayetteville the other night that that's a I know that they've had some bumps and bruises along the way but that is still a very impressive team uh, Alabama's looking good um, we have a lot more to do here today uh, we will continue taking your phone calls. don't forget tomorrow Matt from San Antonio's birthday I just yeah uh, you know you have a calendar on your phone which is like uh, Groundhog Day Valentine's Day. My, my now for January 30th says Matt from San Antonio's birthday. We will be right back.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
5: Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
3: We were uh, listening to Don Staley there during the break. I realize some of you might uh, not have heard it, those of you on radio. But uh, here's a, this is what got social media buzzing Friday afternoon and really into the weekend. Remember Dwayne's call the other night just guaranteeing a beatdown of South Carolina? He was driving from New Orleans to uh, Baton Rouge when he made the call. Don apparently heard it or heard about it and had this to say you've always been great even when you're mad at uh, my bosses uh you you've always come on and we appreciate that
2: <laughs> well thank thank you paul not I, I heard you had some callers last week talking about us
3: yeah we so, had a we had a guy the floodgates uh, open we had a guy calling in from louisiana who was guaranteeing a, a victory and i tried to i tried to talk him off that ledge coach but uh hey
2: you, hey, hey paul Tell Dwayne I
3: said hi. I think his name was <laughs> Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, it was. He was there last night. Uh, coach, uh, you're, you're, you're one of a kind, and we love you. Thank you so much. Think about that for a second. I mean, we're not just talking about some garden-variety coach here. We're talking about the best women's coach in the game. Multiple national championships uh, has elevated her program to a place only a handful have ever been. So just think about Gino in her in in his prime before he fell off the ledge, or Pat Summit when, when she ruled college basketball, or Mike Sheshewski in his lane, or Nick Saban in his. Can you imagine doing an interview with Nick Saban? I got one more thing to say. I want to talk about a caller. I mean, I don't think I mean I don't know if I appreciated the moment. Uh, and, and sometimes I think we all take ourselves. We take ourselves for granted. I mean, we do, we're here to do a show. We're not here to pat ourselves on the back like other shows up and down the dial. And we, th- we thought it was a cool moment when it happened, but we kept on because we had to talk to somebody else and somebody else. And then when I started seeing on social media the, this website and this one picking up on it, I started talking to our team here like that was pretty funny. I mean, it, sometimes it takes that. And uh, that, that's, I don't know if that's good or bad, that, it, that we have to read about ourselves to realize the moment. But the idea that Dawn Staley, at the end of an interview, after the biggest win of the season in college basketball, I realized Caitlin Clark thinks her her space has been the best part of the season, but that was the biggest game of the year. Come on, let's 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 be honest. And then she, I mean, she just didn't put this guy down. I mean, she body bagged him and then Put the tag on his toe. <laughs> I mean, and put she pushed in the uh, the body in the freezer. And what's so amazing is this masculine, big, tough guy, the you know, He's on the rig. He's a long he's like a like. Remember the longshoreman back in the in the old days. I mean, this guy's such a tough guy that after the whipping by. Don, he still hasn't called in. His call was Thursday afternoon, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, only four days. I had to count just to be sure. Let's get back to the calls. Uh, Will is up next in North Carolina. Hello, Will.
7: Paul, we all realize the magnitude of your show. I mean, even Don takes time to talk to the peasants uh, in, in Louisiana. I seen a uh, a story this afternoon saying uh, the LSU was operating at a loss. I mean, Dwayne needs to get off the rig and get to some games. What do you think about that, Paul?
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't mean, know. I mean, uh, I, I think Dwayne spent so much time trying to get Matt House <laughs> fired uh, that he lost he lost sight of everything else. Uh, I mean, I, I have a prediction I, to make. Uh, whenever Brian well, Kelly comes on here the next time. Brian Kelly's well, gonna finish Matt off uh, uh, Dwayne off too. Can you imagine? If he I mean I mean we're gonna try to get um, every single coach we have on to take a shot at Dwayne. That's the new secret I consi- code.
7: I would consider LSU's uh, athletic season last year pretty successful, but I mean um I mean baseball, but not a quarter. Oh yeah,
3: just offense, uh just uh <laughs> An appearance in the football championship game and two national championships, in yeah, two. Uh, and, and, but but Dwayne still had uh, Dwayne still had to find fault. <laughs> I mean,
7: Jim, like you're saying, gymnastics and all this stuff on oh, TV. Oh yeah, I forgot about gymnastics. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean they have the the world's most uh... uh... successful nil lady. Yeah, and even when the, she, she uh, doesn't
3: compete, uh, she's still the the center yeah. of attention. <laughs> Now, wouldn't that be funny if Olivia Dunn called in, and so I got one thing to say about Dwayne. Oh, man. I want him to go away as a Tiger fan. (laughs) I guess he'd have to move to Northwestern State or something like that. I don't know what he would do. Has a a fan ever been, uh, you know, I don't don't want to get religious here, but I went to Catholic high school, and they can excommunicate you from the church. Oh, wonder if a school has ever taken a formal vote to excommunicate a fan. <laughs>
7: we'll stay. We'll hang around for the vote, and it'd probably be something like Survivor or something that you see. That would be funny.
3: Hey, Will, thanks so much. Johnny B is up next.
7: Hey, Paul, thanks for taking
8: my call.
3: Thank you. Um,
8: I've got a couple of things here that I think is very important. You know that uh, Coach Staley; she's a she's a sharp dresser. And I over the weekend I got to worry about Dwayne, so I go down to Louisiana. He had been roaring that head, you know, on the radio and then they said he was behind the bench giving her a hard time. So I I found him in intensive care down there. And they're trying to figure out how to get a a, a high heel out of his throat and one up his rear end because that's the shape she left him in. She she may have been trying to just cover her tracks a little bit with that that other story, but uh i think that was important and then while i was down that way i went by the insane asylum i saw jim ac and john from missouri I, I posted a picture of that so everybody could just see that they're okay and then uh the cornhole on espn espn brass needs to watch deliverance uh that's that's where cornhole you know if you'll see burt reynolds and Nick that's you an old there, movie yeah. learn what cornhole yeah is. i uh I mean, I vaguely
3: remember that one uh yeah, didn't, yeah, did Ned Beatty that survive that scene? I mean, and he, and it, it did seem like he had a career after that, didn't
8: he? I think that kind of ruined the whole thing, kind of like Dwayne jumping on. <laughs> I think say, you're right, John. But, hey,
3: thanks for the call. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Mike is up next in Maine. Hello, Mike. Hey, Paul. Appreciate you taking my call. Thank
2: you. I'd like to talk about the weighty balls, but to give you a little background information, I went to the University of Tennessee as a walk on In track in the sixties, took and throwing. Right. And then was lucky enough to be invited to Vietnam for two years. And when I came back I finished my degree in, at Tennessee in my masters and uh was lucky enough to be able to have play at Stokely some basketball pickup games. Oh sure. And actually met Pat Summit. And nobody can tell me that she's not the greatest coach ever. After she stopped coaching, Holly took over. And in my opinion, that was a disaster because if Holly was such a great basketball person, she was an assistant for 20, 30 years or whatever, but I don't think she was Ever off in the head coaching position? No. And now we have Kelly.
3: Yeah, but remember, Mike, uh, the, the school really didn't have any choice. She coached. Uh, she she was running the show in Pat's final year, and it was a natural progression. But now with
2: Kelly, who was a great player, yeah, uh, it seems like we've we've drifted into almost mediocrity, and that just bugs the crap out of me because I've been through. A lot of the Tennessee Final Fours, and yeah. and it was so exciting. And I have Samikah Holtzclaw's autograph and Samika Randall and all of them. But it seems now that we just, you know, people used to fear coming into play Tennessee, and now it just. No, seems there like uh, we're... well, I think
3: uh, I mean they're, they're having a. I mean there, there was a big loss last night, big big win for Coach Yo. Um at Ole Miss, but it's been a surprising year, and I, I agree with you. I expected uh, this to be a premier team, and the only thing I always caution people about basketball in late January is watch out. Uh, you can you can still turn it on when it matters, but uh, so far I think uh, you're probably not alone, Mike, in your grumbling. It reminds me of you know one thing when Tennessee won the national championship i think they had what eight or nine losses
2: when abby conklin was yeah, there right. And, uh, you're right you know you get hot in the end of the year You can that's, that,
3: that's why just, uh as a as somebody who used to write columns uh, i always was hesitant to write somebody off because basketball you can uh, but I, I i agree with you uh, i mean there was a lot of criticism of holly warlick i mean we had calls here i'm like going i, I can't believe it i mean people We're very vocal, and and that's the problem, I think, for Kelly, is you you lose a couple more games, and suddenly you you lose the most important people that matter, and that's your fan base from beginning to wonder what what is up. Uh, Quick break. More to come. It is early on a Monday afternoon.
0: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
3: You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. And how about this Thursday night? Great game. Tennessee, we just mentioned them, heading to Georgia. That is at 7 p.m. And we'll have it all for you right here. Back to the calls and uh landy not far from uh, tennessee and clinton tennessee hello landy hello paul how you doing today we're doing great um listen got two
1: questions uh how do you think uh tennessee college football is going to do this year uh this fall and uh second question is why do you keep having this jerk nash on on the radio every single day
3: I mean, this guy's a jerk, and
1: you always hang up on him. So why do you? You keep know, Landy, I I,
3: I, can't, I have to tell you that's maybe the most uh, sapient call we've had all day. Uh, I have no idea. I, I I it is it is on me that I keep pushing that button, uh, and I'll 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 try to refrain from it. As far as Tennessee, I feel really good about the Vols. I think the quarterback uh, situation has been solved. I think Josh Heupel uh, has figured out a way to get some key players in there that can get them from where they were last year to where they need to be. And they were close. Uh, they had th- two or three games that they could have turned around and they just didn't quite uh, have the right quarterback play. Thank you for the call. Steve is in Lexington, Kentucky. Good afternoon.
2: Hey, thanks for taking the call. Thank you. Kudos to you and your staff for a consistently great show, although you cannot be held responsible for some of the strange colors.
3: <laughs> yeah, we, we have a two disclaimer that airs right as we're going off the air. Most of you are probably already hung <laughs> up. But uh, we, are not, we are not responsible for the stupidity of our guests and callers.
2: Exactly. Have a two-part question regarding men's college basketball. First of all, why are they still playing two halves? No, no and idea. if they will or will not go to quarters, why do you think that
4: is?
3: Uh, good question. Uh, I mean, international ball is quarters. Every Everything is quarters but college basketball. I, I am going to defer on that question because I don't have a great answer. And I bet there is one out there, but uh, it doesn't really make sense, frankly. Uh, is there any, I mean, the NBA, women's basketball, is there any unit of basketball that continues to play with 20-minute halves other than college, men's college football, basketball?
6: Not that I'm aware yeah,
3: of. Yeah. Uh, Great question, and if somebody has that answer, we will put you ahead of Bash in our next segment. If Bash has the answer, we will not take your call. Um, Michael is in West Virginia. Hello, Michael. Hey, how are you? We are doing great. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Uh, So me and my buddies here at work, uh, we try to call in a good amount this first time it's ever worked. So thank you for letting us on.
3: Well, great. I'm glad you, uh, you're in Morgantown. Uh, that's really great of you to call.
4: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Mark, we were just talking.
1: Um, why do you think the SEC plays less conference games than the other
3: conferences? Michael, that is a very legitimate question. Uh, and uh, I, don't want, I don't mean to tell you a story in my answer, but I will. Uh, everything seemed geared up for the SEC to go to nine games especially once they admitted Texas and Oklahoma. Now, this year they did not uh, when they had the opportunity, and I think some of it was blamed on the finances of television with a new deal being integrated. Having given you that answer, I have no earthly idea what the new answer is going to be if they don't. Uh, I think if, if I could interpret some of the coaches feel like that the schedule is so difficult that if you added another game, it would make it harder to become Bo eligible for, for the bottom teams. Uh, But that, uh, as we are now moving uh, into from winter into spring in a couple of weeks, that's going to be a big topic of the uh, SEC spring meetings. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I would think like money wise, though, they would make more having an extra game in there. Well, I know that uh, the people uh, that that now have the, uh, the SEC contract, which is ESPN, uh, wanted uh, nine games, and, and then it came down to, you know, what are you willing to pay for it? And I don't know that answer since I am just an hourly employee here uh, on my afternoon shift, but that is a question, and I I, I keep I don't get a lot of the positive reinforcement from those who felt uh, we were about to make that change. Okay. Because, I mean... We are also saying that, you know, most of them do schedule kind of cupcakes outside of conference. I mean, you have the good games here and there, but doesn't oh, that kind um, of. Hey, not hey help, Michael, I agree not with help. you. I think most people watching and listening agree, but we don't make the decision. So uh, you've given us a big theme to ask uh, the people that really matter, not us. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.